Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 174. Because we're literally figuring out the why, right? Mm-hmm. Now now we're, we're really rooting out the goal here. So yes, we need some mental preparedness, but now you're also admitting that there is a weight that I want to be at, or there is a certain physical thing that I would like to attain because it will help me with my confidence. Um, so that's, these are the first steps of, of true, when you're really talking about nutrition, again, separating it out from healthy, right? We're not necessarily talking about healthy. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to... The Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today, we have another deep dive interview as I get to sit down and talk with Will Richardson. We actually, this is actually the second time that we've brought him onto the show. Uh, We previously had him on for episode 155 as we talked about his story going from 300 pounds, being overweight, getting cancer, and being determined to live a healthy lifestyle, getting down to about 175. Now he's running a ton, he's coaching, he's into CrossFit and fitness and nutrition, and also a nutrition coach. And that's mainly what we dive into on this episode, is all about nutrition, um, and and what that means, not just as a healthy lifestyle, but how we can lose weight if we're trying to lose weight, how we can uh, gain weight if we're an athlete and we're trying to gain weight, how we can maintain our goals as an athlete, and all sorts of just amazing stuff that is nutrition-based. Will has a ton of knowledge and expertise in this field and shares so much of his nuggets of gold with us. So, so if you guys are interested in peak performance, in bettering yourself as an athlete, in losing weight, or achieving any of your fitness or weight-related goals, you are definitely going to want to listen to this episode. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here, Will, thank you so very much for joining us back here on the Art of Awesome podcast. You're one of our few repeat guests, um, which I'm pretty excited. I think uh, we did an episode with you at 155. Uh, so excited to have you back because we've got so much more to learn from you. Well, it was it was cool because I mean we that hour that we did last time passed so quickly, and we were like we didn't even get to the thing we planned on talking about. We somehow <laughs> got lost in the mire of life stories, and yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, what did you want to talk about this week, Nick? Uh, well, last time we talked a lot about your your story, which is a crazy story um battling through cancer and 
and uh, weight loss. And essentially the, the gist of the whole thing, if I remember correctly, we talked about like doing hard things, uh, which was, I think, like a mantra that, that you, you even say when you go to the gym, maybe. Am I right on that at all? Absolutely. Do hard things is sort of, and I also like with my clients, with my coaching clients every week, that's often how we end our coaching thing. Because the reality is, um, change doesn't happen unless you embrace the difficult and, um, challenge is what causes the body to adapt. So if you think of muscle adaptation as a perfect example of, and, and you can use that in everything in life. And that is your muscles will not get stronger unless you do something that's uncomfortable with them, which is lift heavier weights, right? Mm-hmm. Or you won't get uh, more flexible unless you stretch. So it's it's about doing the difficult thing and taking it to um, the point, not necessarily pain, but the point of, of discomfort um, or doing the hard thing that often yeah. that, that allows you to adapt and grow as a human being and, and as a, you know, physically and mentally. So yeah. that is, that is really, uh, yeah, I embrace that. And, and I, I try to remember that every day, especially when things get difficult. Yeah. And I'm glad that you added in uh, the mental side of that because it's really easy for people to kind of understand, oh, if I lift heavier weights in the gym, my muscles, you know, get stronger. And either they understand that like conceptually or they fully understand the physics behind that where you're actually breaking down the muscle fibers and they, they regrow back stronger and stuff like that. But but mentally, I find such... Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm almost like more intrigued with the mental side of things because you don't see like your brain growing bigger. It's not like someone who's like extremely mentally strong has this like huge head. Whereas like, you know, that someone that goes to the gym, like they're walking around, they've got like, you know, huge legs or huge arms. Like you see the results, you don't, you can't just like see someone at the grocery store or just like walking around town and be like, Oh, that guy, that guy's mentally strong. Whereas like you can see if they're physically strong. So I'm, I don't know. It's the well, same take a, thing. Take though. a look at it from a social adaptation. So we all just went, I mean, in Canada in particular and, and several other places around the world, it wasn't as bad in the States, but we went through these major lockdowns where people were forced to be antisocial for months at a time. Some people mm-hmm. living by themselves are only living with their spouse who you have an easy conversation with. Um, when we started, you know, going back to parties and that type of stuff, it would amaze me as sitting there and watching a room full of people that haven't really done that for three months, let's say, mm-hmm. and watching their social adaptation completely fall apart. Yeah. Like, we're all just, so what did you watch on Netflix for three months? <laughs> like we no longer had interesting conversations, but that, you know, it, it went away pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but think about that in, in, in just in book learning or in, in dealing with, uh, you know, by going through something difficult, like a difficult conversation, or, um, or going through school or reading a book that's a bit above your, your pay grade or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you adapt and you get better. Your vocabulary is a great example. You don't learn new words unless you read a book that's kind of complex. It has new words. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, yeah, there is definitely mental adaptation, but yeah, it's not something you can spot from a mile away. Yeah. So again, to remind of all, all of our listeners, go check out Will's first episode. It's phenomenal. Uh, I think it's actually called Doing Hard Things or Do Hard Things uh, with Will Richardson. So go check that out. Episode number 155. But in your story of this phenomenal growth pattern, I don't, I don't even know how exactly you would uh, you would explain your story other than this um, adapting with, with doing hard things. You, 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 
change change there there we go maybe the simple the simple aspect is just talking about changing life patterns doing the hard things and then getting the results that come with that um after after your cancer after your weight loss you're now doing you know going to the gym is it every day or multiple times a week well it's interesting since we last talked so much i mean i still go i still work out um six days a week Mm -hmm. but uh i've completely refocused on running this season um, so less, uh, trying to do general, I mean, I still do a lot of muscle building, but a lot of it's very focused now. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, so, so yeah, mostly running. So the goal is, uh, to get up to a certain volume of running per week. I'm still working towards that goal, taking time, making sure that it's being done correctly. Um, and, uh, so I still working out six days a week, but with a lot more focus on running. And that means a lot more time on the roads. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's definitely been, um, yeah, an all consuming purpose for sure. Yeah. And I also want to, a big part of this conversation that I want to talk with you about is, is nutrition as well, because you, you have kind of like, um, not just had this uh, phenomenal growth, you know, in yourself, but you've also now transitioned into starting to coach people. Uh, and then you're coaching both, you know, gym workout that kind of stuff but also nutrition as well am, am mainly, I mainly nu- yeah mainly nutrition so i don't i don't uh i don't feel confident enough to coach other people in physical uh stuff i've got a great coach that i work with and if anybody needs good coaching whether it's for running muscle adaptation crossfit whatever i i um refer to elsie yon who is my partner at rat pack um nutrition and um she's a really great physical coach, like a great, uh, you know, if you, you have a goal that is physical, she's amazing at it. And she asked me to take over some of the nutrition coaching for Rat Pack a few years ago. She's also a nutrition coach as well. And nutritional coaching doesn't mean, you know, to, to start the preface, all of this, it doesn't mean that what I do is give you a nutrition, like here's what you eat every day. Mm-hmm. Um, nutritional coaching is something that's fairly new in the, in the sort of the quote unquote diet world. And that is instead of uh, um, being told to adhere very strictly to some sort of plan that's like Weight Watchers or whatever else, a, a nutrition coach takes who you are, spends time figuring out what's you know what your goals and purposes are, and helps build the foundation so that you can achieve those goals. Exactly the same as a physical coach would. So a yep. physical coach, if you want to be a great fast runner. Well, uh, you know, a running coach figures out where you are in your running abilities and then builds a long-term plan so that you can get that, get to that goal. They don't, I mean, some of them do give you some strict guidelines, like, okay, I need you to run this and run that, but that is a very adaptable plan. Um, and that's a lot what nutrition coaching is too. So I've, uh, what happened was Nick, it, it started really simply, uh, when you, anybody who's lost a ton of weight, especially if you're up in the, you know, a fairly heavy set guy, like I was when you lose a lot of weight, two things happen. You immediately get the people telling you, oh my gosh, you lost too much weight, which is a really funny thing to go through. They, <laughs> they automatically assume that you've, um, that you've got something wrong with you or you're sick. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. If, if you worry about somebody who's lost a lot of weight very quickly, then that's, you know, I'm not criticizing you for worrying about them, but that's the first thing that happens. And then the second thing that happens is generally other people that are struggling with weight loss come to you and ask you what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, And the answer for me was what I did was I worked with a nutrition coach and I started exercising. 
um, those two things together um, created a, a better body for me. And then my body adapted very, very quickly. Me and I learned mental, th mental skills that allowed me to sustain that. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of led me down this rabbit hole of, well, if people are going to ask me that, then maybe I should be able to give the answer properly. And I should learn what my health coach did so that I'm not just sort of paraphrasing my own experiences. I'm, I can learn how to coach other people. And so I went through the precision nutrition course, um, which is one of the more highly um, regarded nutritional coaching courses and, um, and, and started now, mostly what I work with now is close friends and family. I, I worked with uh, Emily for a few months when she was training um, heavily. So some are athletes, some are people that want to lose weight. I really love working with athletes in particular because athletes, it's a completely, it's, it's not a diet program. I'm not worried about them losing weight. Most of the time, most of the time I'm fighting their desire to lose weight, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I also work with some people who, who definitely needed the help that, that are like in that, you know, uh, I hate to use the word morbidly obese, but it is, a, you know, the scientific term morbidly obese, they needed help. And, um, and, you know, to the credit of precision nutrition and uh, my own experiences combined with that, um, we're seeing really great successes in people. Um, so that's, that, that's basically it. That's what the nutritional coaching said. That's amazing. It, I, I love hearing your story as well and how you're so right. When, when people see someone else lose a lot of weight, they're instantly like, how did he do it? And, and the irony is, Unless you're, you know, doing it the improper way, which would be like anorexia or bulimia or something like that, uh, some sort of eating disorder, the answer is pretty much always the same. It's like exercise and nutrition or, or you know, some sort of like monitor, monitoring your, your calorie intake or, or whatever it is. I mean, it's it's... It's not that complicated to think about, like it, it, in far in, in sense of like um, the generalities of like how you lose weight is to do with physical exercise and the intake of food. Uh, you, there are two steps. It's really it. There's only kind of two. So, um, so here's the crazy thing. Here, I mean, this is what you know, and I, I have to say this right at the beginning of this podcast because you know I don't want to offend anybody out there who has a program that works for them. Every program who, that works for somebody is a great program, except for the ones that harm you physically or harm others. So, um, and we know what those are. Uh, so I'm not gonna harp on those. But those programs that work for people, whether it's keto, whether it's intermittent fasting, whether it's vegetarian, whether whatever it is that clicks for your system, um, if that works for you, please don't take anything we talk about today as offensive. I, I believe in the program that works for you is the right program for you. Um, but the, the real math is super interesting because we have complicated it so <laughs> much. We have made, we have made nutrition bar none, the most complicated thing in like the general brain, you know, in, in the general environment of, of our lives. Um, and, and mainly just because the answers are too simple. And the simple answer is the difficult one. So the first thing that I always want to start with is before we talk about what nutrition is, is I'm going to give you the, 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 the roadmap to awesomeness, the easiest way to lose weight, to get the goals you want if you have a physical goal. It's that to maintain weight, 
whatever your weight is, you need to eat as much as you burn in a day. If you want to lose weight, you need to eat less than what you burn in a day. If you want to gain weight, and there is reasons to gain weight, if mm-hmm. you want to put on muscle, you can't do it without gaining weight. Then you yep. need to eat more than you burn in a day. That's it. There is no other complicated thing. There isn't a magical fruit out there that's going to hack that system. There isn't some program that you can go on that will that will change that. The reality is, is all of these things that everybody is doing, whether it's a uh, you know, a, a, a macro-based diet, or if it's a vegetarian diet, or whatever it is that works for them, the reality is when we really start crunching the math, the only thing that those diets are doing is reducing your calorie intake, and often getting you to be more active because you're on a di- you know you're on a program. So those yep. that's it. So we can literally end the podcast there. <laughs> well, it's 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 so interesting because, I mean, I. I'm definitely, I've been aware of this and and I've talked to people about that. And and it's the part that I get almost frustrated with when people are talking about weight loss. Cause I'm like, guys, I'm, and trust me, I'm, I struggled with it like a little bit when I was like in, uh, early, I guess it would have been, uh, late elementary school, early high school, something like that. When I was like a young teen, um, I was like definitely a little bit pudgy, kind of got made fun of a little bit for being pudgy and just wanted to lose weight and get in shape. Um, and I didn't know any of this stuff at the time because I'm, I don't even know, you know, 13 years old or something like that. But it's pretty simple. You want to lose weight exactly like what you said. You have to have a smaller intake of calories than your, than your outtake, meaning that the amount of calories that you're eating is less than the amount of calories that you're burning in a day. And, and that's, that actually is the, is it that that's really it because like the workout, the workout aspect of it, it, um, elevates the amount of calories that you're burning, which elevates the amount that you can eat then because you're, it's the difference between the intake and the outtake. But really, as long as you monitor the intake and outtake, that's the answer to weight loss. Well, and, and, and yeah, the, the key is monitoring and knowing what, and because the body adapts again, this is the problem. And the reason why it gets complicated and the reason why a coach can help is because your body adapts, right? What a, a person who is 300 pounds, for example, what they can consume in a day that they will burn off in a day, just living life versus a person that weighs 110 pounds is vastly different. So um, really great example. And the amount that they burn doing physical activity, simple physical activity. I'm not talking about going to the gym. I'm talking about going for a walk mm-hmm. is vastly different. So a great example is uh, I have a client who uh, he's, he's, he and his wife are doing amazing. They, you know, between the two of them, I think they're at about 150 pounds lost. Um, wow. and, you know, they were, they were struggling and, and they needed help. And, and we figured out a way to, to help them really, really simply. And in a way that doesn't upset their lifestyle too, too much. Um, so we had, we had a really great conversation where we started walking together once a week. And, uh, I asked, you know, I just had a curiosity cause he was wearing his Fitbit or whatever. One of he was wearing his watch and I said, what's your heart rate at right now? And he's like, Oh, my heart rate's at 120 beats per minute. And I'm like from a walk. And he's like, yeah from a walk. And I'm like, and are you struggling with that 120 beats per minute? He's like, no, this is, you know, this is a normal walk. Obviously he's breathing a little hard and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's really fascinating because me at half your weight 
And at a much, you know, because I run every day, I can jog and hit like a, I go for the beginning of my long runs and it stays at about 120 to 125 beats per minute. So yeah. imagine for a second that, it, that that guy going for just a simple action of going for a walk for half an hour is getting the same amount of physical activity as I do going for a jog for half an hour. So if you understand physical adaptation, and that's why it gets complicated because a person who, who is at 300 pounds is going to lose weight relatively quickly by doing simple changes. They burn a lot more calories in a day just existing versus mm -hmm. a person who weighs less than that. So it gets a lot harder to lose that last 10 pounds uh, if you're trying to get to a, you know, a, a super cut body weight or whatever. Anyway, that, that, I digress from that, but that, that's where the complication comes from is because the math isn't actually as simple as, oh, everybody burns exactly 3,000 <laughs> calories a day. So all I have to do is eat 2,500 a day. Yeah, um, That ain't the way it works. And the math that we all think we understand is generally wrong. Um, we, all the stuff that we were given as kids, and the, remember we used to take those nutritional courses in high mm -hmm. school and they're like, the average human being burns 3,000 calories a day. No, they don't. The average farmer from 1943 burns 3,000 cal 3, calories a day. The average human working in an office burns about 1,600 calories a day. Wow. So if we're all eating 3,000 calories plus a day, thinking that we're like within the normal spectrum, we're actually doubling the amount that we need. That, that's grandly like, you know, from a 6,000 you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's a grand exaggeration or uh, what do you want to call it? Anyway, long story short. So our understanding of the math is generally completely. Right. And and so the idea of the equation makes perfect sense to, again, to lose weight. And I want to get into the, the whole um, athlete side of things in a little bit. But the idea to lose weight is less calorie intake uh, and a higher calorie outtake. The question comes and where it gets complicated, like what you're saying, is how to monitor, one, what your calorie intake is that's an accurate number and what your calorie outtake is that's an accurate number so that you can figure out what the difference is um so what are some of your best tips um i guess whether it be whether it be you know like fitbit or or some sort of um i don't know thing that monitors your like how obviously we can look at yeah how do you monitor well yeah I mean, you're talking to data tracking boy. I've got a monitor on each wrist <laughs> um, and they both have different numbers. That's hilarious. So whoop, I, I have a whoop and I have a Garmin and I also, you know, you used to have a Fitbit. I'm, I've got all of these devices around. I'm a data junkie. Um, and that helps a lot being a data junkie. Um, but they have different numbers. So my whoop tells me I'll burn, I burn, and they're, they're not vastly off, like, but the whoop usually tells me I burn more or less than a thousand, or sorry, 200 calories different than what the Garmin tells me. So it's, they're not super accurate. These things are a great, like larger gauge of your day, but don't take them as gospel. So if your Fitbit tells you that you're burning 2000 calories a day, that does not necessarily mean you should eat 2000 calories a day. The only way to do it is long-term data. And so what I do, so what we do as nutrition coaches and what I do as a nutrition coach anyway, is I get you to monitor exactly what you're eating every day. I, I, and you do that through macro measurement. It's the best way to do it. It's the most accurate. And it allows me to work certain things stronger than others. Um, so I can, if I, if for athletes in particular, your protein intake is super important because the, you certain proteins, your body can't make. 
and you need it, you need those certain proteins for recovery, for muscle recovery. So you can continue to uh, be an athlete at the highest level. Um, so athletes like, uh, Dane and you and Emily all need to have a relatively high protein intake because you're pushing your body to that max every day. Um, as a runner, it's the same thing. Um, and then you need a certain amount of carbohydrates. So we've got, we'll talk about the, um, current trend of calling carbohydrates evil later, but um, <laughs> carbohydrates are necessary energy and they're the easiest thing for your body to access as far as energy is concerned. So an athlete needs a certain amount of, of carbohydrate caloric energy per day. And finally fats, um, women in particular need a certain amount of fats per day, um, for hormonal, hormonal generation and um, balance men do as well. It's a little bit less than what women need per day. So that needs to be in there too. So we look at macros and then you monitor it consistently for like three months. And once you've seen what happens over the course of three months, when we, you know, when we push it up a little bit, do you gain weight? When we push it down a little bit, do you lose weight? And we eventually find these tipping points and that tipping point changes. Remember, because now you're losing weight, your mm -hmm. muscles are starting to adapt. You maybe you're working out more, whatever. We find these tipping points and that tipping point changes over time, but that's the only way to do it. So um, the app that I get most of my clients to use is my fitness pal. It's been around for a long, long time. It's relatively inexpensive. You can use it for free. Um, and it has a database that allows you to just scan a UPC code and gives you the, the, the breakdown of calories, or you can do it by macros, which is what I do, but that's not necessarily the best way for other people. However, you can monitor your intake. That's where the data starts to build up. And then you build up that, that book of data and you look over the trends over time. Um, so what's your, what, where was your weight and you started? How much did you eat per day? Did that weight go down or up? Well, if it goes up, then you're eating too much. And if it goes down, you're eating too little or, or you're getting the result you want, but at any rate, and then you adjust and adapt and keep figuring it out. And, and again, because it changes, that's a changing scale, but that's the easiest way to go. That's my tip is first and foremost, learn how to monitor what you're eating and do it fastidiously by weight, by how much you're, you know, how much you're consuming per day. That's the only way to get a true measure of that number. The good news is you really don't have to do it forever. Once you figure out what it is your body needs in a day, you're going to start building up sort of a, a encyclopedic knowledge of, well, this is what I should eat. Um, I'm at the point now where I can go for two or three months without having to do any monitoring whatsoever. I usually return to it after about three or four months and do a few weeks just to see if I've lost perspective on a few things. And generally I have, usually it has to do with carbohydrate intake. I'm like, Oh, probably I've been eating a few too many crackers on Sunday. <laughs> um, but then again, I, but, but I also, you know, there's reasons I go through that and there's no need for most, most people don't need super, super strict diets. Most people just need to learn how to monitor their intake a little bit better. Hmm. That makes perfect sense. So if, if my fitness pal is the app, is that, is that right? So my yeah. fitness pal is a great app. What of all the devices that you've used, is there any that you would advise more than another, like Fitbit, Whoop, Garmin, any of those things? Uh, Are they all I mean, about the same? I think they all do the same job, 
equally unwell, if that makes sense. They, I, I like Whoop because it focuses on recovery and recovery is really important to me. And I think recovery is not important enough to most young athletes in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, it gets more important as you get older because you feel unrecovered a lot stronger than you do as a, as a youth. In your 20s, you can go jump off of mountains and mountain climb for five days straight, drink beers every night and get three hours of sleep and probably still pound it tomorrow and be all right. In your 30s and 40s and 50s, that starts to dwindle drastically. And all of a sudden, one doing that for one day just beats you up to the point where you uh, haven't recovered. Right. And you suddenly start, you know, getting negative achievements. And Whoop does a very good job of refocusing your point of view on that. It does an okay job as far as caloric tracking, but as far as recovery is concerned, it does a better job, which is why I recommend that as far as a, as, as far as a metric tracker is concerned. And the Whoop also tracks your, your sleep cycles and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Do all the which other ones all do recovery. that too? Yeah. Uh, they all do to a certain degree, but most of them don't put it into that completely focused recovery, like balance. How did you recover yesterday? And what's really interesting if you, once you've worn whoop for a long time, or once you've become sort of a whoop person mm-hmm. is you learn very quickly. You ever wonder about those days you've gone through this, Nick, you're an athlete. You ever wonder why sometimes you're just not killing it? Yeah. Like you're like, oh man, like today I just sucked. Like I couldn't get, <laughs> couldn't run fast enough. Once you've gone been on Whoop for a while, you realize really quickly, ah, oh, it's because I didn't sleep well last night, or I had a couple of drinks yesterday, and that really affected my recovery. You see that, you know, yellow or red recovery line in, on your Whoop, and you're like, oh, well, that's why. That's why I suck today. It was. Be- it wasn't because I'm. I'm a terrible athlete. Most of the very variability in my in my athletic skill has to do with my recovery and how much effort I put into it the day before. And it's funny because it's 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 one of those like oh. Oh, oh, I should have changed. Ah, that's what I should have changed. Gotcha. Do you, do you find too, talking about, um, you know, how all calories aren't quite created equally is, is the protein a big part of that recovery too? Like if you don't get enough protein, are you finding that same kind of, uh, slow recovery or lack of recovery? Over long term, absolutely. I don't. I mean, I I'm pretty good about monitoring my protein intake. But over the long term, especially with people who have a chronically low protein intake, so um, people who have gone through vegetarian diets, for example, and who have difficulty getting enough protein in their day, generally you'll see those people go through uh, muscle pain. Um, their recoveries get slower and slower and slower, so it takes them longer days longer to recover. Um, and then, and they usually end up with problems like tendonitis and, um, and those type of things because, um, and if you, I mean, I, again, this is a gross generalization. Um, this may not happen to some people, but if you are going through this, sometimes check your protein intake, um, because what can happen if your protein is chronically low. So I'm talking like, you know, below 90 to 60 grams a day, somewhere in that range starts to be in the chronically low range. Um, what'll happen is, is you're in order to repair, you have to get those essential proteins from somewhere in your body. So it, it goes to the muscles in your body to get, that's where you store the protein. So same as you store fat as fat, you don't store protein as fat. You store protein as muscles and it's stored in the muscles. Again, gross generalization, please don't take this as scientific gospel, but imagine if you're trying to rebuild a muscle that is damaged. Well, it's going to have to get the protein from somewhere. So it goes and reaches into other parts of the body to repair it. And 
doing that cyclically over long periods of time eventually starts to stop you from building up muscle and starts to create muscle issues because now you're chronically beating up that muscle every day. It's not fully healing because it doesn't quite have the nutrients it needs to, to rebuild itself properly. And you end up with muscle issues and, you know, different types of, of pain. So in most cases with an athlete who is complaining that they're not building enough muscle, for example, um, I mean, you and I had this conversation years ago about, um, cause you were working on trying to bulk up a little bit and it was like, well, the first thing you got to do is look at your protein intake and make sure that you're eating more than you burn in a day because you burn a lot of calories in a day. If you don't have the combination of a decent amount of protein, so 120 grams to 200 grams plus a day, plus, which is a lot of protein, by the way, not recommended for people that have, you know, problems digesting proteins, but, you know, talk to your doctor first before you do anything along those lines. And then the second thing, making sure you have enough calories in a day, because if you're constantly in a deficiency, then you're never going to bulk up. That's part of the equation, right? Part of the math. Um, so talking about athletics, we're kind of phasing from, you know, weight loss and stuff like that into the, the whole nutrition aspect of being an athlete and, and where we need more, um, possible proteins or different, uh, macronutrients and different things like that. The, the other aspect, and we, we kind of dabbled on this a little bit earlier when you said, you know, that, that there's a lot of different um, kind of regimens out there that work for different people, um, and different programs that work for different people. And, you know, a while back I was actually talking with my son about just how the internet works and how most of the internet is opinions and the trying to explain that concept to him. But the analogy that we used was even if you type in Google, you know, like what is the best, um, diet program, or the best weight loss program, or the best program, you know, nutrition program for an athlete, you were going to get a ton of different answers. And most and, of them ads for whoever paid them <laughs> to Google the most money to tell right. you that their nutrition program is the best. That's definitely true. Most of them are paid ads, but, but even still, you're going to get all these different results and each one will likely be scientifically backed because everyone has a, you know, and, and the, they're all true in the sense that they're all scientifically backed, but um, the point being that they're still all opinionated from that scientist or that doctor or whoever's creating that nutritional program. And the other thought, just when you were explaining it earlier in this podcast, it got me thinking about how it reminds me of like ways of learning. Like each person is different, right? And we we might all have a different way of learning. And so I could create a program that's like, here's the scientifically proven best way f- to teach children or or whatever. And it's like, well, that might work for some children or it might work for my children or it might work for me. But it doesn't mean that that's like the one um, be all. Do you know what I mean? Like each person can be a little bit different and each body, therefore, as far as diet is a little bit different and each athlete is probably looking for different aspects for nutrition. Kind of speak to us, like, what are your thoughts on that? And, and well, the therefore- first question, the first question always I, I like to ask first is let's separate out because there's a lot of confusion on this. Let's separate out nutrition and health. Mm. We have blended these things together into a very complicated organism. We think that in order to, uh, that nutrition is, is very tied to health, right? And that we've decided that there are good foods and there are bad foods. And if you, and, and somehow that's blended into, I need to eat good foods. If I eat good foods, then I'm healthy. 
Um, and if I want to lose weight, I just need to do the good thing, um, which is, you know, there's no scale in that. There's black and white. It's black and white, yeah. Yeah, and, and that doesn't exist. So the, the first question is, you know, to the, uh, to the audience is before we talk about this, what does nutrition mean to you? And if you think it means it's tied to health really strongly, well, let's, let's say that you're, you're right. In, in, of course you are. But what we're going to talk about now has very little to do with healthy or good. What we're going to talk about now is what your body needs. And um, those needs are how that defines how you're, what you're going to look like, what the outcome is. And that's super dependent on your goals. So when we talk about athletic nutrition, the very first thing we do is we turn to the athlete and we say, okay, cool. You want something from working with me as your coach. What is your goal? So let's go with you, Nick. Like it doesn't have to be a real one, but let's say we're going to start this process. And I ask you, okay, cool, Nick, we've got three months. We're going to work together. What's your goal? Um, as far as like an athletic goal, yeah, let's let's go ahead. We'll do real time. Let's say um, <clears throat> if we're looking three months out, let's say I want to be at peak physical shape uh, for the world championships next year. Awesome. Okay, so the first question I'm going to go is, uh, why do you want to be? <laughs> um, why do I want to be? Uh, so I feel the most prepared physically that I can for the event. Cool. Okay. So why do you want to be physically prepared for that event? Um, why do I want to be physically prepared? Because through my years of experience, I find there are two aspects for preparation. Uh, actually, maybe three aspects. We'll say it that way. In generalized, there is physical preparation as in like your physical strength. There is your skill preparation as in like practicing those specific tricks. And then there's the mental preparation as in... Uh, being mentally strong and prepared. And that kind of ties in all of them together a little bit. Um, and so it being just one of the legs of the chair that makes me feel the most confident going into the competition. Awesome. Okay. So we can go, we can keep, we can keep digging too. We can go. So why is that physical preparation important to you? And you probably tell me that it, well, that helps me mentally because I'm going to do better in the race. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've dug down to kind of why you want, and, and, and we've actually figured out your true goal is to be not, it, it's not a certain weight. It's not a certain, uh, it's not a certain nutritional regimen. It's literally a, a, an aspect of your mental preparedness. So mm -hmm. yeah, really like confidence. Exactly. It's a confidence thing. So now what we need to do is we would start by identifying, you know, what makes you feel better? What gives you that confidence? Is it a certain like body fat range? Is it a certain weight range? Um, yeah, you, uh, you, you know, you, some athletes for like, let's use bodybuilders as a great example. Um, bodybuilders have to go through cycles of builds, ma maintenance and cuts, mm -hmm. um, for uh, a whitewater athlete like you, um, my, in my experience is you, you guys tend to want to lose a bunch of weight, um, close to competition time so that you can maybe use a smaller boat or you're lighter. So it's easier to throw yourself around, but at the same time, you need to have the muscles mm -hmm. to back up and endurance in order to back up what you're about to do. So you don't want to start cutting during training. You don't want to be too light during training. You need to, 
be able to, you know, work the boat during training. Um, the same with runners, it's kind of the same thing, except a lot of it, if you're doing endurance training, a lot of it's making sure you have the energy to get up and do it again tomorrow. So, you know, sure. um, we started to figure though, that's where the, you know, that's where the, the, the figuring out comes. Yeah. In my, in my like very, you know, brief thought, I I'm always thinking I want to be strong enough to do everything that I want, but I want to be light enough that it, it's like, <clears throat> like the idea of going with, you know, a carbon boat, for instance, you do that because you want the boat to be five pounds lighter. It's like, well, another way to achieve that would be to lose five pounds of weight so that you've got five pounds less to throw around. You know what I mean? Um, and, and there are all, like, you know, different advantages or whatever with carbon versus plastic and, and all these different types of things. But the idea being that another version of having lighter gear would just be having a lighter physical body weight. So um, we, this is great because we're literally figuring out the why, right? Mm -hmm. Now now we're we're really rooting out the goal here. So yes, we need some mental preparedness, but now you're also admitting that there is a weight that I want to be at, or there is a certain physical thing that I would like to attain because it will help me with my confidence. Um, so that's, these are the first steps of, of true, when you're really talking about nutrition, again, separating it out from healthy, right? We're not necessarily talking about healthy, um, bodybuilders, they may look healthy to us, but they're at, at movie stars, for example, like Chris Hemsworth, mm -hmm. he's, he's going through a bodybuilder regime in order to get that look. I hate to tell you all this, but that is not necessarily a healthy result. Being down in that level of body fat is actually the same as being obese. It's, it's hard on your body. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's terrible for you. It's not going to kill them or anything along those lines, but it isn't quote unquote healthy either. Um, so, uh, if, if we're working with an athlete, most of the time we want to create structure and that structure has to work around your training plan as well. So the next step would be, okay, we figured out the what, but now we need to make sure that that works with your training plan. So we've already talked about, well, you need to go through this build stage in order to have the muscle and be ordered to train daily in order to, work on a new move or whatever else. So I, as a, as an athlete, you need to think about that. And if you're working with a coach, the coach will help you think with that, but most of you aren't going to work with a coach. So uh, with a nutritional coach, cause that's an added cost or expense on something that's already pretty expensive. So what I recommend you do is take a look at your life in phases and, and look at your training in phases as well. You have areas where you're going to build those builds should last a very set amount of time. And during that time, you focus on that build. So if it's muscle building, then you better make sure that while you're in that build phase, you're at a caloric surplus, you're at a protein surplus. Well, make sure you're going to the gym every day and working on building at that point. Make that a structured part of your training. And it's, you know, let's say three months, I, mm -hmm. it could be more. Then you have a maintenance during that maintenance period of time, that could be while, you know, you're, you're practicing, you're going out and doing your uh, whitewater training every day. You're not going to the gym as often. So you're not as concerned about the build, but what you are concerned with is making sure that you have enough caloric intake per day to continue to do that every day and not feel hungry at the, you know, the next morning, not lose sleep because you're too hungry. So that is a maintenance time. You want to be at a good a good amount of intake to keep yourself going. Generally, your carbohydrates will be a little bit higher during that period of time because you need those carbohydrates to help you get through 
six hour session on the water or a, or a marathon or a 30 kilometer run or um, whatever it is that you do as part of your athletics. So I, I look at that as that should be the bulk of your life. That should be at least six to eight months of your training program. And then if the final thing at the very end is, well, I need to drop some weight in order to feel comfortable. And that by this point, you may not need to, you may actually have gotten to the weight that you, that you, you're comfortable with, but let's say for a bodybuilder, great example, bodybuilder just before competition is going to need to drop a certain amount of body fat percentage in order to show off all those new muscles that they spent so much time bulking up to get. They've put on generally some fluff during that time because you can't just build muscle. You are going to, your body is going to store some stuff. So now you're going to go through that cut phase, the cut phase. And I can't stress this enough. Most people cut for too long or cut inefficiently. Um, so you either, uh, you're either trapped in a cycle of trying to lose weight your entire life and you tend to bounce in and out of it. That's somebody who's doing it inefficiently or, um, or you're not focused for that very minute period of time saying, this is a goal. And my only reason for doing this is to reach that goal. So, um, I don't usually recommend most people unless, you know, a different thing. This is again, athletic nutrition versus actual weight loss. If somebody is morbidly obese, they're going to be in a cut for a long time, but we're going to do it in a very different way. Um, we're going to try to make it so that it's a small cut that lasts over a long period of time with an athlete trying to cut before competition, say a boxer or a bodybuilder, that's going to be a much shorter period of time. It's probably going to be a harder cut that we put them through. We're going to keep their protein really, really high so that they don't lose muscle during that period of time. And that that's scientifically proven. This is like every single study right now is saying, if we keep that athlete's protein high, and cut down their carbohydrates and fat to as low as we can get them comfortably without hurting their um, ability to perform, they're going to lose weight without losing as much muscle mass. And then that cut is where we take you in the last part. And again, you want that to be a minimum amount of your training cycle. So, because it's really gonna hurt your performance in, in a grand way. Um, and it can injure you over the long term, and it can affect your recoveries as well. So generally, we don't want to do that for more than two months out of the year. Um, and so if you think of your life as scheduled out into these phases of training as athletes, um, then you then that's sort of the for me as a coach, that's kind of what I try to take you through. And then during that time of maintenance, what we do is we focus on really great habits. Um, so making sure that you're eating the right things generally. And when I say the right things, I don't mean just living off of kale. I mean, you're eating a balanced diet day after day in order to give you the nutrients that you need to do the best you can without sacrificing life. Because what happens is, is if you go very, very strict, um, what generally happens is you're, you, you just start to reject it. Um, you have those breakdown days where you're like, I ate nothing but cake and I feel <laughs> terrible. Well, the reason why you ate nothing but cake, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Cake is delicious, but your body was really saying, I need, I, I really want some sugar and carbs right now. And, and life is there too. And if you sacrifice life, then you're not, you're not getting the mental stability you need to, to survive through it all either. The only thing I will say out of, you know, when we talk about the goods and the bads, the only thing I will really point out to athletes that if you're going to be on a performance track and you're really working towards reaching some great goals, the one thing that you should look at very closely and its effect on your life and your recovery is your alcohol intake. There is nothing, um, in my experience, there is nothing that affects an athlete the way that alcohol does as far as... It, now, can you reach your goals, especially in your twenties, you can probably drink a lot more than most people, but, um, 
can you reach your goals and still have alcohol as a part of your life? Absolutely. It's just going to, you're just making it a lot harder. So if you want, you know, if you want my one piece of thing, you know, advice on something that you, you want to make a big difference in your athletic abilities and ability to, to grow quickly, it's cut out alcohol for periods of time, particularly during those, um, hard training times. Um, that's, that's the only one thing, everything else can be done in moderation and balance. It's all a world of gray. There is no good food. There is no bad food. There is just food. And yes, you want some stuff that is uh, nutritional from time to time, you know, dense in, in nutrients. So yes, you want to eat those apples, those, the kale, all that type of stuff, but you also have to be a human being and, um, cake has its place and donuts have their place as well. I like I like that. I like that cake and donuts have their place too. It's interesting that you mentioned alcohol and removing that. Uh, and I a hundred percent agree. And over the years, uh, usually around the world championships, I'll, I'll like cut out, uh, alcohol or at least at like in a training period up to, you know, however months, uh, away. I'm actually, I'm actually in a phase right now where I'm removing alcohol and it, a different reason. It has to do with these concussions that I've been having, which is, is something that, I wouldn't advise on anybody, but uh, in the sense of getting concussed. Um, something else, though, that I wanted to ask you about, because we're talking a lot about calories in, calories out, workout, all that kind of stuff. Where does water consumption come into this whole nutrition part? And how much should we be drinking a day? How, is there too much water? Uh, is it like, should we be having just water, Gatorade, bubbly water? Like, where does the whole water part fit into it all? So hydration is hydration is hydration. So one of the things that, uh, again, this is where this black and white area of stupidity has come in. That Somebody at one point in the history of, of nutrition said water is better for you than everything else. That is true. I think that was uh, in a movie called uh, The Water Boy. Yeah. Oh, you got to get that H2O. Um, <laughs> but so, so, but somebody, you know, somebody did a study someday saying that people that drink water, you know, 5% better or whatever than everybody else and, or lose 1% more weight than everybody else. And we tend to, we tend to ignore the fact that that was a 1% and we glom onto that statistic and somebody then runs with it and saying, okay, now you can only drink water. And now you should be drinking 8,000 liters of water a day. You should be peeing 750 times per day. Um, I only have one kidney. And part of only having one kidney is, is that I need to be very cautious about my hydration. I need to make sure that I'm getting a decent amount of water per day. That doesn't mean my water only has to come from water. Um, it means it can come from soda water. It can come from Perrier. It can come from tea. It can come from coffee. Coffee still has a net hydration. Yes, you, it does dehydrate to you to a certain degree, but anything that has net hydration does qualify towards hydration. Um, how much water should we drink in a day? Well, it's actually really dependent on you. Some people need water, like some people need more water than others. Some people can handle drinking more water than others. I know I've tried to, you know, at one point in, in all of this, I've tried to be okay. So I need to drink. It was something like a gallon of water a day. And I tried to drink a gallon of water a day. And I also was drinking a normal amount of coffee and a normal amount of soda and whatever else per day. And I was like, oh my God. I have to pee like 800 times a day. This is ridiculous. I just don't, I don't need it. Now, if I'm also like during the summertime and I'm marathon training and I'm doing heat training outside, suddenly that gallon of water a day 
is fine. Like I do go through it and I don't pee as much because I'm sweating out half of it. So again, water is really variable or the amount of hydration you need is very variable, but it, the only way to really figure that out for yourself is data. So if you drink two liters of water a day and you're very rarely thirsty and you're always sweating when you need to sweat and, you know, not peeing, uh, two times, three times an hour, for example, then you're probably getting enough hydration. If you, on the other hand, you know, go by the pee pale method, if you're peeing very, very dark yellow or uh, in that range of yellow to brown, let's just say, um, and you're constantly thirsty, well, first you maybe wanna go you know, visit a doctor and talk to them because there could be other medical reasons for that. But um, then you need to up your hydration and that's, that's the data. The nice thing is, is that we have this like perfect uh, the body, human body has this really great way of showing you if you're hydrated enough or not. And that's if you're overly hydrated, you pee a lot. If you're underhydrated, your pee gets pretty darn yellow and you don't pee a lot. Um, so go by that as your limits test. And somewhere around two liters of, of uh, you know, two liters, three liters of liquid a day is, is probably um, good with, for most people. When you're talking about trying to do weight loss, um, there's nothing wrong with diet sodas. If that helps you get enough hydration per day, helps you know ease that sweet tooth. There's, uh, I can't remember, there was a guy that said, um, there's never been anything quite so studied as diet soda out of all the things we drink. And there is yet to be a definitive study come out and saying that it's bad for you, but there's been a million definitive studies saying that it's fine. Um, so if that is something that you enjoy, make it part of your life because there's no reason to take away the all the enjoyment um <laughs> that that was my only caveat to all of that love it will i feel like i could talk with you about nutrition all day long because i'm continually just amazed at how much i don't know and how much i probably uh need to continue to learn and implement as an athlete and just you know, whether it be for improvement in different areas of fitness or general health and stuff like that, um, we we might have to bring you back on and we'll do a third a third. It's podcast. such a super deep dive, and the reality is that there is a lot of gray areas. And and again, you know, like everybody's got their own things, or they've read a thing, or there's a doc there's there'll be a doctor or a nutritionist that will say the opposite to what I'm saying, mm -hmm. and and that's fine because it is a it is a adaptable um, thing. It, and it's about what works for you and what makes you feel good. That's why there's nothing wrong with all of these different plans. If that's your way of getting to feeling good uh, and feeling healthy, then more power to you. Um, I, yes, eat more vegetables. And if anybody ever tells you to not eat fruit, <laughs> just tell them like that is not a person you should trust. Eat as much fruit as you damn well want. There is nothing on Nobody in the history of nothing has gained weight off of eating nothing but fruit. If they, if you are, if you manage to eat enough fruit that you put on pounds, it's probably not the fruit that's doing it. It's probably the the other things that you're eating along the way. I love that. I, I also just love your advice on do whatever makes you feel good. Like in the sense that feeling healthy, feeling good, feeling confident. Um, well, I'm going to move us on to um, to the next segment of the show, the fire round. We, we did this together on the first episode, um, but I'm going to fire a couple quick questions, questions off. I'm prepared you. this time. 
And and being that we've done it already in, in episode 155, I'm going to ask questions a little bit differently. Oh, gonna... dang it. He's going to try to put me on the spot still. Throw, yeah, I'm going to throw, throw a curveball for you. So, Will, do you have a favorite quote or a quote that you live by that has to do with nutrition? Oh, uh, with nutrition? Um, I don't really, other than... Do you have, a, do you have there's like a... a and there's a great guy mantra? called, there's a great guy. Um, the, if you want to check out a great Instagram account, there's a guy, I can't remember his first name is Syat, S-Y-A-T-T. He's a nutrition coach um, who does a lot of the same stuff I do. And he's, he's all about breaking these like super stereotype nutritional things. And um, he's one of the things he always says is just, just eat the donut. Donuts are delicious. And that's what I'm like. <laughs> like if, if that is all you crave right now, eat the donut doesn't mean eat all the donuts. It doesn't mean now you can eat a donut, like eight donuts a day. It just means if that's what you're craving right now, eat the donut. Don't deny yourself the donut. Admit that you ate the donut, love the donut, and then go back to worrying about, you know, then go back to your nutritional plan or, or find a way to include it in your nutritional plan. If you love donuts that much, eat the donut. And if anybody yeah. tells you not to eat fruit, just punch them in the face and <laughs> what might be um, uh, a favorite book that you've read on nutrition or even a current book you might be reading on nutrition? I, I, I would say that one of the coolest books, and this has something to do with nutrition and a lot to do with running, is there's a book called Running the Dream. Um, and I can bring up the name of the guy uh, written by Matt Fitzgerald. Um, awesome book. But one of the things that was the big takeaway for me from running the dream was he put himself into a professional camp of athletes. Um, he wanted to get, he was a decent marathon runner, but he had never been able to succeed at his goal marathon time. And I can't remember what it was. It was like two hours, 40, uh, or, yeah, two hours, 40 minutes or something less than that. And he, um, so what he did was he went and trained with the top athletes in the world for several months and ate like them, trained like them. And what he, and he managed to accomplish, you know, read the book, but he manages to accomplish what he set out to do. And what it was, the revelation for me was if you have a goal, then train like a pro. Mm -hmm. uh, or I have, a, my coach used to say to me all the time when she'd be like, you're one of my best athletes. And I would say something like, well, I'm not an athlete. I'm just a guy. And she's like, but you train like an athlete. You yeah. train harder than most, most athletes I know. You're an athlete. Start mm -hmm. thinking like an athlete. Start considering yourself an athlete. And all of a sudden, everything else starts to fall in line. And part of that is, like any mentorship, if you find somebody who's doing it better than you, go learn from them. And yep. the person that's doing it better than you is probably the pro that's out there running great races or the best bodybuilder or the best whitewater guy. If you go train like them, you probably, you may not ever be as great as them. Maybe they've got some natural gifts that you don't have, but you're probably going to make some major strides in that direction. And that's the same thing with nutrition. If you eat like an athlete, start eating these structured foods. You'll notice athletes have break days. They have cheat days. They eat the donut. They, yep. but if you eat like an athlete, you're probably going to gain the same results that they're looking for. Eat and train like an athlete. Yep. You'll get those results as well. 
Yeah, I think the the Rock Dwayne Johnson posts all the time. He's a fun follow on Instagram. He posts all the time, like his cheat days and stuff like he that. He has epic cheat days. Yeah, man. but, but, but again, the, he's also that guy is also eats four thousand calories a day to try to maintain that physique. Right. His and, cheat days get to be epic because <laughs> he trains enough to pull that off. You also you you mentioned something about you know who you train with and who you train like, and and it reminded me of so when I was like. 15 or 16, I got to go uh, live with and train with with EJ, Eric Jackson, uh, and the whole Jackson family and Jackson team at the time. Um, and it it changed everything for me. Obviously, the, you know, the direction of my life drastically changed. But the idea being, yeah, weird. But, but the idea being, though, that when I went and trained with the best, I came back, you know, way better in so many aspects of, of my paddling. And, and I didn't even necessarily feel like I was getting that much better because I'm still training against the best and comparing against the best. But the idea being, and I, and I imagine, I haven't read this book, um, but I want to read it now. When you go and train with the best or live with the best, you, you have that just... Um, you like absorb their mentality of thinking and and you start taking on habits that they do you start thinking the way that they do and you like innately without even necessarily meaning to you you start acting like those around you and so the same happens no matter what kind of environment you're in if you're around a whole bunch of people that are really out of shape you're probably going to start you know moving and shifting towards that area if you're around a whole bunch of people that are in like phenomenal shape you're going to start moving in that area if you go live with Dwayne Johnson for or or like the rock for 6 months you're probably going to beef up and get in good shape you, you know might I mean? end up a little you know you might end up with a little roid thing going on but uh, <laughs> you'll definitely end up beefing up um, right. there was a great um study done uh, i think it was called the chicago phenomenon or the Chicago, California phenomenon or something along those lines where they, they tried to figure out why people in California, like in, let's say in, in the LA area were maintained healthy body weights. Whereas people in Chicago maintained unhealthy. like there was a, you know, the, the skew in the population was vastly different and they discovered it's sociological that there is no other reason other than the fact that people in LA tend to have to wear bathing or tend to wear bathing suits a large portion of the year, which means a large portion of those people try to maintain physical fitness, which gets everybody else around them to maintain a certain level of physical fitness. Whereas in a place like Chicago or Boston, where it's not as important and people don't care about it and they don't have to wear bikinis or whatever, sociologically, it's more, it's okay to be a bigger guy or a mm -hmm. bigger girl. And it changes you psychologically. So you think about that, but but put that in into the grand scheme of things. If you live with athletes, which is why they, you know, families that are athletic, they usually claim it's genetics. But some of that also has to do with if you grew up with a family that does nothing but ski every day, you're probably going to become a pretty good skier. It, yeah, that's just the way it goes. It's the same thing, Dane. Like I find. Dane, such an interesting subject as as far as an athlete to, to study, but everybody thinks that he has these genetics that come from EJ or whatever. And it's like, no, I think it probably has to do with the fact that he paddled every day for for 15 years straight. Do you know what I mean? With his dad. And he had it, access to a kid's boat before anyone. Well, yeah, Emily right. and him both had access to a kid's boat long before anybody else yeah. had a kid's boat. So they were able to paddle from a younger age than anybody else had ever been able to paddle. Yeah. That's like several years of advantage and, 
The irony is, is like if anybody wants to get as good as Dane or whoever, pick a, pick an athlete in any subject. If you go train with them, you go train like them, you're gonna get better. You're just you're like the, it's it has to do with the amount of training. It has to do with what they're eating. It has to do with the exercise they're doing, all that stuff. Whole bunch of math that comes together yeah. to make somebody great. And again, yeah. you may never be as great as that person, but I guarantee you, if you train like like an athlete. You're and think improve. of yourself as an athlete. You're going to get closer to your goals than you would have yep. by bringing yourself down and, and not doing anything that they did. I totally agree with that. Will, if you could give one piece of advice to a younger self due to nutrition, being that we didn't really dive quite into it this this episode, but again, please, if you guys haven't heard, go back and listen to, uh, to Will's first episode 155 uh the story of going from about 300 pounds uh to what are you at now will uh coasting around 170 170 so that's a phenomenal story right there will's in great shape what would one piece of advice that you could give to a younger self uh that has to uh do with nutrition what would it be oh man um i think it's uh basically fat's not bad for you I mean, we were, and, and that all the things that you've been told, if you just nerd out on the math, you'll be fine. Um, it, you know, the, the problem was, is especially when we we're kids, we were given just so much information and it comes from such a variety of places and half of it wrong. And we amalgamated into this thing that we think is good nutrition. Um, if I had just kind of ignored all that and just got more physical activity per day. Um, I probably wouldn't have gone where I went. And, and, uh, if I had known that my love of beer, would, <laughs> my love of beer would take me as far as it did. Um, I probably wouldn't have gone the direction I had gone, but so much of my weight is due to sitting in a chair and, um, and not having an active lifestyle. It's not necessarily nutritional. My mom was an amazing, uh, you know, fed us really, really right. And, um, I never would have had these issues, um, or I never would have gotten where I, I, I got, um, if I hadn't sort of built up bad physical habits, um, which is, I thought I, I just had low pain tolerance uh, when it came to being physical. If I had known that just walking every day um, is better than running every day as far as weight loss, I, I might have walked more. If I had, I always thought that in order to become, to be physical, you had to take it to the extreme. You had to go weight lift or you had to go to the gym or you had to do these things. The reality is you don't. Yeah. Just some activity, non, uh, non-exercise active thermogenesis, NEAT, which is basically walking. Um, going for a swim, going for a paddle, all those things that are enjoyable um, and mentally great for you. That's, that's 90% of the of weight loss and it doesn't impact your body. So you can do more of it for longer and have a, and have better uh, chance of, of being the, the person that you want to be. Um, if that. that's, if that's your goal. So if I had known that I probably, it probably would have changed everything. Cause I thought, I thought I had to go to the gym and work out and I, I, I didn't, I ended up loving that in the long run, but um, yeah, it wasn't what, what most people need. Amazing. Uh, go be active. Great advice. Definitely something that I think everybody 
probably knows, but uh, but it's it's always good to hear again. Like it could just be as simple as going for a walk. And just go, my go. goals are, and, and my goals are different than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go running like I do every day. You don't have to try to get that seventy kilometers a week under your belt. That's not that, that's my goal, not yours. Yep. Figure out what your goal is, and then figure out what you need to do to get that goal and, and do what we, what Nick and I did go through the whys. So start with everybody says they want to lose weight. Why? Well, I want to look better. Why? I want to do that. I want to be active for my kids. Well, why? Like go through the, ask yourself the uncomfortable whys until you get to the actual root of what your goal is and why you want to do it. And then figure out how to do that. If it's an Mm -hmm. athletic goal, then figure out the, the right coach, the right mentor. If it's a physical goal, then figure out what type of, diet you need to do and how long it's going to take you to sus- and sustainably achieve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the wise, uh, I've heard of that study before and, and, and that practice. And I think actually, if you go seven deep, which is hard because you keep, you, you, you really have to start thinking. Three or four. Yeah. yeah. But if you go seven deep into why you'll really come up with the, with the true answer and, and the real root of it all. Will, this has been phenomenal. I loved getting to have this conversation with you. I, again, learned so much from these conversations and, and the value. Um, so being that I gained so much from, from you, what might be something that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners? What, what might be a goal or just something that might be interesting you that, that I might be able to help with? Man, I, I want to encourage everybody to go ahead and take a walk. That's all I want right now. Like I want everybody to understand that taking a walk can be really great for your mental health. It can be really great for you physically. Um, And if, you know, the one thing I would encourage all your listeners to do, and the one thing I'd ask everybody to do is just one day this week, go out for a nice half hour walk somewhere, take your dog. It doesn't have to be fast. And I want you to, while you're walking, go through the mental practice of realizing that this was not that hard. This was not something that destroyed my day. I it, realizing that that half hour walk didn't have to be complicated, mm-hmm. and we make it complicated because oh, I can't walk away from my computer for half an hour. That seems the same. Well, you do for a million other reasons. So take a walk this week, and that would be if, if you want to help me and if you want to help um, everybody be a little bit more physical. Um, it also is great for the environment. We've proven over and over again that people who spend time outdoors are the ones that end up caring the most about the outdoors. So everybody, yeah. you know, everybody and, and encourage anybody else you can take somebody for a walk. I absolutely love that. And I am going to go for a walk right after this, Will. Some great advice um, for anybody that wants to connect with you to follow along. What might be the best way for them to reach out or just follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on my Instagram channel at the Travel Beard. Um, I do uh, pretty regular posts on what's going on as far as uh, my running uh, season is looking like. We're coming up into the actual race season now, so hopefully there'll be some exciting stuff coming up. Um, but if you just want to see me beat the crap out of myself uh, on a weekly basis, uh, I usually report the worst of the worsts, the highs and the lows. Um, if you want to reach out and work with me as a coach on either an athletic nutritional program, or if you just want to try to get either just better about, um, maybe, maybe you worry that you are on the, on the dangerous side of, of lightweight, or if you worry that you're on the dangerous side of overweight, um, we can talk about it. Um, you can find us at, uh, look up rat pack performance, um, and you can find us on the internets and we will work with you there. Um, we've got a great group of people who are, um, working together to all get to their goals, which is really the only way you can do it. I love that. I love that. Go reach out to Will at the Rat Packs performance. Is it.com? 
I'll send you the link so you can put okay. that in the show notes. Perfect. I'll put it in the show notes. Check out Will and follow his journey. If you guys are into running and just following along, it's super fun at the Travel Beard. Final question for you, Will. What is your definition of awesome? Man, my definition of awesome lately has been hanging out with you, Nick. Actually, just hanging out with with all my, uh, you know, with the whole Jackson clan has always been awesome with you and Emily. Um, I, we, I always love just hanging out and being able to talk about these things. We always do these deep dives. And deep dives are kind of awesome. They're, they are pretty awesome. It's it's a big part of why I love doing this show is just to getting to have these phenomenal conversations. So thank you again so very much, Will, for your time, for sharing your knowledge, your experience. I learned a ton. Hopefully my listeners did as well. If you guys did learn something from the show, please, if you guys could share it out with a friend, a family member, somebody that you think might need to hear this conversation, uh, or just leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening, as that will help le- or greatly help us uh, build our community and collective as a whole. Again, thank you so very much for tuning in and listening. I am Nick Troutman signing off here with Will Richardson. I expect all the hate mail from you fruit haters out there. I want to hear it. Send it. Wishing you all truly an awesome day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.